Abilities Leadership Programs have educated thousands of learners around the world, including high potential employees at Coca-Cola, General Electric, Southwest Airlines, Dell, and Target. Prior to founding Ability, Bjorn was the CEO of Inspire Learning, a custom e-learning development company. Bjorn is a native of Hamburg, Germany, and he came to Texas as an exchange student in high school. So thank you so much for joining us today, Bjorn. I am so honored to be on this podcast. <laughs> so my goal with the start of every podcast episode is to kick us off with a question that speaks to the theme of our guest's career. For you, I decided that that first question has to revolve around education. Each of the companies you founded has had a focus on educating others. Is there a moment early in your life that you can point to that illuminated that educating others was going to be the central tenet of your professional life? Um, so, so a moment uh, when I knew that education was going to be uh, in my future for the rest of my life. So I, I guess um, I, I should probably, so uh, you mentioned I'm from Germany originally, um, uh, when, when I grew up, uh, what I I, I did not plan to be a CEO. I did not plan to actually be in business. Um, I wanted to be a director, a movie <laughs> director. And, um, and I, I do remember um, a time you know, when I graduated college, it, it was 1997. It was just about the, the dot-com boom was just about starting. And Amazon was selling books <laughs> and uh, you know, nothing else at the time. Um, and, uh, and I do remember, so I, and I got caught up in this, in this dot-com boom, right? So I, I never planned to be, an entrepreneur CEO, like I was, I was going to either direct movies or be in the foreign service. Those are like some of my plans, but you know, 1997 rolls around and, and I was like, well, you know, this internet thing's going to change everything. And so I, I do remember my first idea was actually an online supermarket, which, you know, seemed like a really good idea at the time. <laughs> and so, so some of you on the, on the, that are listening probably know this story because I tell it a lot of, this is a really, a, a, a really interesting sort of like origin story of, of how, how, my educational career got started. Um, you know, I, I was 21 at the time, just graduated from college. And I was like, let's start this online supermarket. And I went um, and I did market research, as you know, you do when you start a company. And I went into these aisles and to interview, you know, the, the store managers and how they handle food and all this stuff. And I, I just remember this very specific moment when I was standing in the fish aisle, it was a horrible smell. Uh, and, and, and I realized, uh, you know, as I was talking to the store manager that, that I, I'm actually not a foodie. Huh. Like, <laughs> so I was not a foodie. And I was, and I was standing in the fish aisle, I was like, is this gonna be my life? Like, huh. is, this, is this what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life? Smell this horrible fish smell. And so I was like, this is the, and so that was the moment actually I gave up on my first idea. Hmm. So I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And, um, and so that actually led me to step back and think about what I want to do, what, what am I really passionate about? Um, and, and so it was a, sort of that moment of reflection, right? Where I was like, okay, this, this idea may be a good idea in online supermarkets, clearly, you know, 20 years not later <laughs> would have been a good idea, but like, I wasn't the guy to do it. Like I, that was not my passion. And, um, and so I stepped back and I was like, what, what am I really, what do I, what do I get excited about every day waking up and, you know, the three areas were education, entertainment, and technology. Hmm. And, um, and so that was sort of, my aha moment, um, you know, and so I, I went um, and very deliberately when I was in business school, um, did some field studies to start my first company. And that was the origins of, of Inspire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jettison us from the early part of your career all the way to this weird pivotal point that I think we sit at. We're at this inflection point. It could be a pivotal moment in the working lives of professionals going forward. 
organizations last year were forced to fully embrace remote work. We saw in our work firsthand what's possible and how organizations adapted. When, when you think back, what struck you the most about how organizations adapted to what was thrown at them? Yeah, so I mean, this is obviously, we're, we're in this incredibly interesting period of, of, of the history of work, I think, in, in general, but I think in particular, also the history of learning, yeah. right? Like, we, I think learning and development never, never was sort of at the forefront of change <laughs> until I think the last two years where, you know, we learning and development by definition was, you know, we had classrooms. And so now we do not, what, what do we do? So, um, so yeah, I mean, a few things struck me, uh, I guess, first of all, actually, um, you know, L&D learning and development is typically not known to be fast moving okay. industry. Yeah, um, we talked about that earlier. Um, uh, we adapted pretty quickly yeah. as an industry. Um, yeah, I remember when, you know, in March of last year, right, everyone was like, okay, hold, hold off, no more training programs. We don't know, you know, know if the world's gonna exist tomorrow, so we're not gonna train. And so March and April, no one was training. And then sometime in mid-April, people were starting to say, okay, well, now let's do this differently. And we, we have, of course, virtual offering. So we've been doing virtual training since the beginning of Ability 2014. So everyone came, came back and, and you know, our, our business, um, I think, grew by 50% in the last uh, 12 months. So it is, you know, the, the, the pace of change and the quickness with which L&D has adapted actually did surprise me because... We work in an industry, and uh, many in the audience, I think, are <laughs> educational industry. Like we're just as an industry not used to really fast adoption, um, and the adoption of of you know let's all move this to Zoom. Um, you know, let's get this two hundred person you know kind of cohort that was supposed to meet in person onto you know three or four different Zoom calls, it, and and the, the the quick the the things that are possible when you when the back is against the wall. <laughs> The resilience of human nature never ceases to amaze me. And I guess that's been the case in this pandemic as well. So let's springboard to, to the transitions that our industry made yeah. more broadly. What of those transitions do you think is going to stick and will forever alter how we train future leaders? And what should we do to prepare for that future that maybe we're living in right now or we're evolving into? So I think, I mean, obviously the landscape has changed permanently um, and, and there will be no going back to sort of the old, the old ways of, of doing it. Yeah. Now, the question is what, you know, where do the blocks fall, right? What's interesting to me is actually, you know, what's more interesting to, to, to think about in terms of, uh, you know, what happened over the last uh, year is not what, what happened, but what didn't happen, right? So when we had the choice to take the classroom and say, okay, well, we can't have a classroom anymore. There are, you know, a lot of different options that L&D could have gone, right? We could have said, okay, well, first of all, let's not do any training, right? You know, that's a very clear option, right? Like, well, maybe we don't need training. You know, maybe people can figure out, and uh, Google search has gotten good enough, so everyone just go and Google search. And search it, right? Like, so that was one option, right? It didn't happen. Like, people were, like, you know, again, our business has grown yeah. substantially. So, so, uh, so, you know, so some things that didn't happen, I was like, this is really good validation. Actually, training is, has been, you know, it's, it's maybe even elevated now in terms of its importance in, uh, in corporate um, America. Um, the other thing that didn't happen is it didn't all go into um, asynchronous mm -hmm. e-learning, right? So you could have easily said, well, okay, no more classroom. Why don't we just put the teacher 
um, put a recording on, uh, on and then just sent the recording to everyone. Yeah. Didn't happen, right? That would have been an easy choice. When, you know, now that everyone was like forced to not be in the classroom, no one did that. And I, and I have some theories on why, right? Um, you, know, the, you know, people didn't just take e-learning courses. You know, so go to Linda or, you know, so LinkedIn Learning now, right? Like, and, and do, do the course online. Like, well, you know, no one did that. Um, you know, MOOCs didn't all of a sudden. And like, so there's a lot of stuff that didn't happen, which I find more interesting actually than what did happen. Mm -hmm. And I think um, where, you know, what we, what we were seeing was a huge uptake, obviously, in our virtual um, deliveries. All of our classroom deliveries went virtual. Um, but what was different, I think, was in, in the cohort-based learning approach that, that, that I, you know, I think I, be, I believe in, is that there was a social element that people still wanted. Mm. So even though there wasn't a classroom, people were like, learning cannot happen without that social component. And that was a theory, theory of mine that I talked to many people <laughs> for, for a long time. But, it, but I feel the pandemic has really mm. shown learning is not knowledge transfer. Knowledge transfer can be done online, right? I mean, if, if you just need to like kind of know how to do a new software tool, well, you do read the manual or you go through an e-learning course. That that has happened already before. But all the stuff that still was happening in the classroom, everyone was like, well, we can't put that online. It's got, and, and the reason I think is because it's gotta be social. And what, I guess the thing that surprised me was how easy it was to translate the social environment from the classroom to a virtual classroom. So let's talk about that. If somebody's sitting out there and they say, we're going to roll out a virtual program, it's going to be all virtual. What are the things that they need to think about if learning engagement and hitting the learning objectives are their number one, number two, number three, yeah. number one through 10? That's their goal. What do they have to ensure that their virtual experience includes? Yeah, I mean, I, so some of the stuff we knew before the pandemic, and but 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 some of it is new, right? So, so I mean, from you know the virtual the, the 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 virtual world needs to have as engaging if not more engaging a facilitator okay. right it's got to have it's got to have that that person that that really draws people in and actually that the, the importance of that facilitator i think has been elevated in mm -hmm. the online environment because you do have more distractions more ability to just click away so um what we found is the person has to um be more for lack of a better term, aggressive mm -hmm. in drawing out participants. Um, and, you know, our best facilitators for, for our programs, you know, they cold call people. It's ruthless, right? Like, but it's good and it's needed um, in the online world. Because if, if you don't, you know, if, if you don't have this risk of being cold called, well, you know, there's tons of other things you could do on your screen and no one will know. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's the, the skills of the facilitators had to be elevated and have have to continue to be elevated so it's a different skill set to facilitate online and in the classroom um i think the other the other important um uh, piece is that you know the 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 way that the way that you approach questions and answers is is, is very different hmm. right um in the classroom you can you know you can see sort of like who is there who is not there so you have to like engage people with kind of far more interactivities. Um, obviously, our simulations work really well in that, um, you know, it's kind of, it's a learn by doing environment. So instead of listening to anyone, you, you play a game and you see what happens. Um, I think the other thing that we found that's interesting, this is new in the pandemic, right, is before the pandemic, people was like, you can't do hybrid. Um, 
at all. Like you can't have people online and in the classroom at the same time. It just won't work. Mm. Um, and the pandemic was like, well, or especially now that some people are coming out of the pandemic, but others are still there. You now have to make this hybrid work. And there are a few tricks that we found, right? Um, you know, and we see this in our group meeting, in our team meetings as well. Even if two people are in the same room, you still have separate computers yep. with screens looking at their face. Because if you don't, then the people that are online feel like second-class citizens. They feel like they're not as participatory. Um, and so, you know, small tips and tricks that we never thought, you know, it's like, why would you have two computers with the camera on in front of people that are sitting next to each other? Well, now it's common and it's, and it's necessary for um, everyone on a, you know, hybrid classroom or, or, or hybrid team meeting to feel uh, the cohesion, right? Mm -hmm. And so everyone feels like, hey, you, you know, there's a, everyone has their own camera, um, even if we're, you know, three or four people in the same room. So tons of learning that we're, I think we're all still processing. I do want to talk a little bit about the participants. So when you created Ability and, and your other companies, you focused on management skills, skills in financial acumen, and we'll call it cross-functional collaboration, strategic thinking skills. Something that surprised me in my conversations over the last 18 months is I've heard from a lot of our clients and prospective clients that they want to train leaders now in a context that they're going to lead, which is a virtual or a hybrid modality. What skills would you add to if somebody is listening right now who's early in their career that they should focus on as a leader to succeed in the world that we now operate in. Mm, okay, so, 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 with with a lens of like what has changed in terms yeah. of remote work and 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 global work, I, um, I would say, the, the you know just advice for early, early career folks um, that are that are listening to this, you know the 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 importance of um, not just uh, cross-functional expertise, but also, you know, now that we're all going to be a lot more remote, we'll have a lot more colleagues that live in Germany and then in, in Sweden and in China, like, not, you know, focusing not just on cross-functional collaboration, but also cross-geographic collaboration. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to make the, the, those people that are able to fluidly, you know, work with colleagues in China, Europe, you know, Africa, um, I think we'll have a leg, leg up in, in, in the new world that we live in. Because I, I think we are, while we're hopefully at the end of the pandemic, we are, I think, just at the beginning of this seismic shift of how we work. I think the pandemic has opened up possibilities that I think we are just at the beginning of, of, uh, the beginning of understanding, you know, the work remote, the work from anywhere, the, you know, kind of the ability for people to call in from from anywhere mm -hmm. with zoom calls the fact that you can have a, a, a manager now or, you know that lives across the country who you may have never met um those uh, those possibilities i think will dramatically change the the the, the physical locations of, in which companies operate like and i think there'll be clusters um but i think over the next 10 years, companies will just dramatically expand their geographic reach. So if you're early career, you know, making sure that you get that international experience, mm -hmm. um, that you understand, you know, why the people in Germany take longer vacations or, <laughs> or, you know, like, or why, you know, why people in, in, in different countries kind of 
react and react differently. I think that's going to be, be a huge skill set for hmm. early career folks. Take me back to founding or thinking about launching the Invited MBA. What was the impetus for doing that? And what are the skills that you're trying to transfer to rising leaders who join that program? Yeah, so the, the, the impetus for the Invited MBA is, you know, we had all these corporate clients that, you know, we, we can't come back from the deployments and we have, you know, all these business cards from people that say, hey, you know, I want to I take more of this. How, where can I do that? Or, you know, my cousin needs this. And, you know, how can they do it? And we said, well, you know, we, we only have these corporate simulations. And um, at some point we said, no, we need, to, we need to create something that is open to the public where <laughs> anyone can join um, and apply to join uh, to, to go, through, go through our curriculum. Um, and, we, and so we, we put together this 12 week mini MBA, which, you know, we run with, with corporations around the world. Um, and, um, and we said, you know, we opened our doors in 2019 and uh, we had just a tremendous response. You know, our first class, you know, we had a you know, guinea pig class of 15 people. Um, you know, I think we're still in touch with all of them. Um, but then from there, you know, the, the spring class was over 30 people. Um, and in the fall, we're going to, I think, looking at, at 60 to 70 people in two, two separate cohorts. Um, and and the, the, the impetus really is, you know, so, so when you think about, um, you know, it's, it's not a replacement for a two-year MBA, but it is an alternative to it. And when you think about what has happened, especially now with the pandemic and in this world, you started this before the pandemic, but, but when you think about what happens, people are reevaluating, hey, how do I, how do I upskill myself in the best possible way? And the two-year MBA, um, I think was a really good idea and still is a really good idea. <laughs> um, you know, a hundred years ago, it's like, hey, let's put all of the business knowledge in this two-year you know, intensive program. You know, it has gotten very, very expensive. Um, it's gotten, you know, very loaded. And, um, and in the same time, the skills that are being taught have fractured hmm. where, you know, it used to be the MBA was very clearly defined, uh, you know, by, you know, just learning the financial knowledge, right? You know, now, to become a business leader in functions, you have to have a very specific functional expertise that go well beyond sort of the, the, the MBA, right? Uh, you know, so, so as a marketing leader, you, you know, the, the marketing tools, the marketing channels change every year. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you know, learn every year what the new channels are. You can't teach that in business school anymore. So, so we, we look at the world, I look at the world and of, of, you know, education, the MBA education is, you know, there's the functional knowledge, there's the industry knowledge. Um, and those are less able to be taught in an, in an MBA mm -hmm. curriculum now than they were in the 60s. So you have your functional knowledge, you'll have to learn more on the job. Your industry knowledge, you know, MBA gives, you know, talk, talks about every industry. Yeah. Your industry knowledge, you're going to ultimately learn far better because the industry changed every year too. You're going to learn far better on the job. And so what's left if you take out functional and industry knowledge are these three areas of, you know, business acumen, really understanding what drives value, find, you know, uh, so financial financial acumen, management, how to manage people, and leadership. And so we put those three together in, a, in, a, in that 12 week curriculum. We've talked a little bit about the future of L&D. I'd love to talk a little bit more broadly about the future of work. We as an organization grew our headcount, um, but a lot of that headcount growth happened remotely. Yeah. 
What do you think as far as a leader of an organization going forward? Um, we're in the office today. Safety is obviously paramount, but we're also trying to focus on what type of company we want to be going forward. When you think about that more at the 10,000 foot level about the type of organizations we are or the types of organizations people will have to adapt to be to handle this future, what do you think are some of the key things that leaders should keep in mind? I, you know, the other, the thing that, that stuck out to me, we, we, we were, as a leadership development company, we do, we're big into personality tests and personality types. Um, and the thing that stuck out to me, I was talking to, to my wife about this actually, um, who is like me, an introvert. Um, this pandemic has been phenomenal for people like us. Um, this pandemic, honestly, not, not leaving aside the pandemic part, <laughs> working from home for introverts has been productivity enhancing uh, you know, yeah, to, to a very large degree. Um, for extroverts, it's been the opposite, right? So I think what is interesting is that we're all adjusting, right? So, you know, a friend of mine actually mentioned this, you know, there are a lot of books written about how to become more extroverted if you're an introvert. Name me one book on how to become more introverted if you're an extrovert. Interesting. So there's no book like that. And I think there's a reason for that because we live in a world of, of extroverts and where extroversion is, is um, viewed as, you know, that's how, how to be productive. This pandemic, I think, has, has shifted some of that. So what's interesting in our company, right, is the debate now on, well, when should we come in the office? Should we, you know, how often should we meet together? As we, how many happy hours should we have? And, you know, the introverts among us go, mm, you know, once a month <laughs> and the extroverts go <laughs> every day. You're like, what's the problem? So I think I, I actually, um, I'm curious to see how the world is going to shift and how we as an organization, how every organization is going to shift to now that the introverts like me know, hey, there is an alternative that doesn't require me to, you know, be at the water cooler with chit chat every day. Like now that I know that I can do it differently, like how is the world going to adapt to all of a sudden realizing, well, that is a future now for, for our people as well. And I think it's going to have to be a adjustment for the extroverts in the world to kind of come to that, that realization that, hey, that this, you know, like there, there are people that are going to just stay at home, you know, and that's got to be a balance. Uh, a world without happy hours would be a sad place, right? There you go. The proverbial question of giving advice to your younger self, you've had the opportunity to, to lead two organizations now. If you could tell yourself something that you've learned, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about leadership? Yeah, I probably it's like most like most leaders would give themselves that, that same advice, but it's to just be more confident in hmm. in yeah you know, what what you know. Um, you know it, it when you're young, you you don't know, and so you know you're less you're less confident, and so you're and so with that you hesitate more. And uh, you know, I mean, our organization we're doing pretty well, but like you know. We probably could be at twice the size now if I had had more of that confidence. Um, we have made more precise decisions, I think, over the years. So that'll be my, my most self-reflective answer there. So I have two more questions, and then we're going to open it up to questions from the audience. The first is a question that I I really enjoy asking all guests, and it's thinking of careers in terms of acts of a play. 
So I heard somebody preface it that if most careers are potentially there's three acts of the play. And if your first act was custom e-learning through Inspire, we'll take away potentially launching an online grocer. We'll move, we'll move right into that as the first <laughs> act. And the second act was this current period with ability and the invited MBA. What do you hope your third act would be? Well, that, that's an easy one for me. Like the, the, the dream that I have with the invited MBA is that it will morph into a professional network for, for rising leaders. Hmm. Um, where you're not just learning, but you're also connecting, you get connected to job opportunities. If we get a network like that up and running, uh, and I, there are obviously many attempts at it. There are many, there are many associations, many, many things that, 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 that are out there, but, but what we have in mind is true, you know, a, a network that truly, you know, educates and, and does so, you know, in, in a, in a way that the, you know, that, that combines some of the things that business schools do now with some of the networking that associations provide. Um, if we get that network up and running, that would be, that would be the, I'll, I'll retire after that. And I guess that's a perfect lead into my, one of my final questions, which was when I started at this company, we spent time crafting our vision, our mission and our values. And what we settled on from a vision perspective was a better educated world with more equitable access to opportunity. How do you think we're doing in pursuit of that vision? I think we're at the beginning of it. I think at the, at the very beginning of it. I think we have the tools. So our, for those of you on the podcast that know our, our simulation tools, they're phenomenal educational um, experiences, but they're like a tiny piece to that better educated world. Um, there's, you know, the, the whole component of um, making sure that people have real access to opportunity. Uh, we just we, we're just starting with that. Um, there's you know there's there's also the you know the the the, the broader you know so so our educational simulations uh, touch on you know the, the core business functions and the core core business the things people need in business. But there's so many other areas where I I believe we can we can do better at educating. Uh, uh, people. And with educating, I don't, you know, there's a lot of online knowledge already. Uh, there's a lot of um, things that, that are, um, uh, you know, you can now find anything you want about, you know, any topic online. But that in my mind is not education. Education involves that social component, which is why it's been harder to just put on the internet, which is why MOOCs haven't succeeded, which is, you know, why you know, second life is not a, um, a thing in, in education. It's the social experience that matters. And it's the interaction with, with mentors and with, you know, advisors, um, see, you know, hearing yourself talk um, and getting feedback from others, that's education. And so I think with our simulations, we have a great start, but like the, <laughs> that vision, I think we're still, you know, five, 10, maybe 20 years away from really making that impact, which is exciting because I think, it means we're at the beginning of our journey. Um, for those of you who listen to the Learn to Lead podcast, you would be aware that I ask the exact same questions to every guest in a rapid fire nature. So I will close out this with those same two questions to, to Bjorn. And the first one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? I don't want to contradict what I said earlier. Uh, so collaborative would be the word. Collaborative it is. <laughs> and the final rapid fire question is this. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received. Um, you know, my, my standard answer to that is, is um, 
follow your passions, which is probably still the best piece. But um, but honestly, like especially after this very tough pandemic, uh, it's probably a very simple advice: is don't worry as much, because <laughs> I think we've all after this last year and a half of complete turmoil and, and uncertainty, um, I think we have learned that things will go on, life will adapt. If we only stop worrying so much, we will all be in a better place, more well-adjusted and happier and more productive people. So for today, I'm gonna to adjust my answer to that. Well, that is a wonderful spot to close this out. Thank you so much for joining us today. If people listening are interested in finding out more about the work we're doing at Ability or the work specifically with the Invited MBA, where can they find out more? Um, go to, go to call us, <laughs> go to our website. No, don't go to our website, call us, uh, um, talk to us. Um, I'm easy to find, my name is Bjorn, so connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I love uh, connections and, and yeah, we, we also are Invited MBA. If you are interested in a 12 week mini MBA, if I can plug this here real yeah. quick, um, it is a phenomenal program. It's virtual, so you can take it. It's uh, um, uh, Wednesday evenings, uh, 6.30 to 8.30 Central, and then Saturdays, Saturday mornings, where we play our amazing simulations. Case studies, we have um, leaders like the uh, former CEO of National Instruments, uh, CEO of, of a nationally uh, national spa. Um, so a lot of mentors, um, Ivy League mentors, um, and connections that you'll make. It's a fantastic program. It's called the Invited MBA. Like you're invited, it's invitedmba.com. So. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Definitely subscribe, rate, review the Learn to Lead podcast and please reach out with feedback. I love hearing from you. Um, and I wanna thank all of you for joining us on this special edition of the Learn to Lead podcast. Thank you.